Welcome everybody to the Minimap Cast. This is your weekly source of gaming news, questions, and impressions from minimap.com.au. My name is Kerry Palmer, and joining me is Jeremy Bratitich. Hello. Hello. Jeremy, are you feeling energised after watching the 2018 Infinity War trailer? Always. That n- nothing, nothing makes me more, more energised. I have such fond memories of being excited for that movie. Yeah. And then seeing it, and it, it, it lived up to it. It did. I have such fond memories of seeing that with you, like, opening night, and you, like, mm. being a nervous wreck going in, and a nervous wreck so coming terrified. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, like, I was, like, like in, I was, I was in my feelings yes. going into that movie, and then, like, I was out of my body coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that I quoted Thanos to you before, and you didn't know who it was, too. That was fun. I mean, it was pretty, it, it wasn't one of his big quotes. <laughs> What do you mean? He's got a lot of quotes. <laughs> he does that, have a lot of like, quotes. They, they did a really good job of making a very, very memorable, quotable villain. Hmm. Like, maybe like Darth Vader caliber. He's up there. Yeah, definitely. I, mm, I think Darth Vader gets more screen time. Uh, I think... Yeah, he's, he's across three movies. Yeah, if, if Darth Vader only had as much... Sc- if, if Thanos... If Darth Vader only had as much screen time as Thanos, I think Thanos would eke out ahead. Maybe. I th- I want to say I think that's actually just because they've kept on bringing back Darth Vader in more and more things that they've sort of cheapened his appearance a little bit. Well, I just meant the original trilogy. Sure. Right. Fair enough. I think he, he's a bit less potent. They they really... Thanos is very he's a potent villain. Sure, yeah. Darth Vader is still a, a man in a big goofy looking helmet from 1977 yeah redubbed yes uh jeremy it's been a week so we're back in a week so we're back (laughs) (laughs) uh really quick not to completely derail no please do that was so weird (laughs) why because you had nothing to go from that yeah um have you seen what darth vader sounded like on set uh, vaguely once. I don't remember. I don't recall very much. Um, it but- is very strange. He's very English, which makes sense because the yeah. rest of the empire was English and they hadn't got, um, James L. Jones in yet. Mm. But like, yeah, he was not nearly as scary. No, <laughs> that but point. that was the, that was the original plan, wasn't it? To go with that person's voice. Yes, it was. And then they, they re, they revoiced him. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they revoiced Boba. Yeah. I saw the I saw a video pop up the other day that was like, oh, comparing the voice acting of whoever the original voice actor's name was and Tamira Morrison from the when they put his voice in in like ninety seven. Um and I, <laughs> they did that and like they showed all of his scenes with, with lines in them from um Empire Strikes Back. And it was a two-minute video, and that included <laughs> both <laughs> both versions of each line. So we only had like a minute of speaking across the entire trilogy, or something like that. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a video of like like best of Plocoon or something, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the two shots he's in, and then his fucking starfighter blowing up, <laughs> and that was the whole video. <laughs> Best of Plo Koon. 
we gotta we, we gotta stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so this is the Minimapcast. This is the our weekly podcast for minimap.com.au. Uh, we write about video games there occasionally. We also put our podcasts there every week when they go up. Uh, Still laughing about Plocoon. I mean, we're always laughing about Plocoon. Um, if you enjoy this episode, uh, you can find all of them on minimap.com.au uh, as, well, as well as our Game Club podcast episodes, uh, which are titled Mini Disc. Those are fun little deep dives into games that we've been playing uh, that we all get to talk about together as well as our uh, pop culture kissability ranking podcast, The Pecking Order. That's there as well, which is good fun. Um, if you want to support the show, you can give the show a positive rating on whatever podcast service you get your show on. Uh, we should be everywhere. If we're not somewhere that you like to get your podcasts uh, and that's annoying, let us know and we'll do whatever we can to make sure we're there. It should be pretty easy. Just let us know and we'll make it happen. Um, so yeah, rate the show positively if you're enjoying it. That would help us out a lot. You can also support us on patreon.com slash minimapau if you want to support us monetarily. Uh, we also just wanted to say thank you to Shook for letting us use uh, the Moog Model D improv uh, song from their YouTube channel as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. I, uh, I really like that Shook video because... It is just Shook testing out a new synthesizer, and it's yep. just sick. <laughs> like it's, that's it's all it really, is, and it just really sounds good, great. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's it is it is it is so cool. Um, Jeremy, Jerry, I was gonna I was gonna we've got like what we've been playing, but then I remembered that we've ordered the show differently to that, and I was gonna be like, tell me, wait, no, we're not doing that yet. We're, we're gonna talk yeah, about my no, thing first because that's what we got an itinerary exactly. We've got an itinerary. We've got we've got minutes estimates, so we'll see we'll see how that goes. Sure, maybe we'll yeah. compare the estimate to the to the actual end result when we get to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See how we did. Um, but we've been building it up for a couple of weeks because I've been very excited for it to come out. Um, Apex's new season came out, season twelve, Defiance, I think. New character, yeah. new map update, but. The thing I've been talking about the most and the thing I've been most excited for is the new limited time mode, Control, which is a three-week long mode. It's 9v9, so it's very, like, like team-based rather than, like, squads of three. Um, it's very different compared to anything Apex has ever been before. It's most similar to a game of Titanfall, which is where Apex's origins lie. Um... And I was very excited to get into it because the concept of it provided for me something that I was thinking of, which was like, I really want an opportunity to get better at Apex that isn't just the Battle Royale because it's always, you, you know, it takes a minute to fly in. Maybe you drop in hot and you get killed immediately and it's another minute or two of searching for a game, picking a character, jumping, all yeah. of that. Sometimes you land in the match and you don't see anyone for ages and then as soon as you do see someone, you get clocked and you're done and it's all over. Yeah. And sometimes I just want a way to warm up that isn't shooting at stationary targets in the firing range. And, and arenas is a little bit... It's, it, it doesn't... It, the, the time to respawn in that is still fairly high. Yeah. Sometimes. It, it's still um, minutes. And if you get matched with a really good team, you have to go through at least three rounds before you can then fight someone else. Yep. So sometimes that can um, also take away your ability to warm up. Exactly, exactly. So Control's been out this last week. Um, and it's not quite the revelation I wanted it to be. Uh, no. 
No, it's not. And it's a, and it's a very interesting mode, right? Because it is limited time, which I had forgotten. Um, I was just like, oh, new mm. mode. And, and I, I forget that as well because the mode is so bespoke. You know, they've got... They have to make sure you know there's, there's no jump master, so there's no there's no diving, there's no coming in from the ship. They've got this whole spawn point on the map thing, depending on which areas you've you know it's like a battlefield map spawn location kind of thing. It reminded me the most of battlefield while I was playing it, weirdly mm. enough. Mm. And like you know you've got loadouts you can choose from. You can change your legend at any time um, when you're dead, uh, and then you come back within. 15 to 20 seconds at most, sometimes less. Um, and then the idea is there are three three control zones on the map. You know, it's like a standard, like, three-map King of the Hill control zone FPS mode. You know, you control the three zones. You control as many of the three zones as you can for as long as you can. If you control the most for the longest, you win by the time the round ends. Um, yeah. And then those can determine your spawning. If you've if you've got point A and point B, then you can spawn on point B. If you have point A, point B, point C, you can spawn at point C. If you have point A and point C, you can't spawn at C. You can only spawn at A. You yeah, it's, it's, a, got, it's got yeah. to create like a like a a continuous line from each point towards the enemy's spawn location. Um, yeah. and it's got some good like anti like. <laughs> you know those matches where you just get absolutely fucked on and there's nothing you can do? It's got some it's got some design to to stop that from being absolutely demoralizing every time. Like if a team controls all three spots for a minute, then the game ends. It's like, all right, yeah. the other team's not putting up a fight. They're probably getting absolutely slaughtered. They're probably not having fun, let's just call it. And that just happens every time. Yeah. Or they're leaving already well, at that point. Exactly. Or they have left and that's why the other team isn't putting up a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's like the, the foundation of it. There's care packages and there's optional objectives, but it's all kind of, that's, that's the foundation. Um, I wish I liked kinda this under, more. Yeah. It feels kind of underdone. Yeah. Um, which is weird. Cause there's a lot of, there's obviously a ton of work that's been put into it, but it's not quite, it's not quite there yet. It, yeah, um, it's still a modification of what the original game is. Which I think is why it's limited time. I think this was a big. This was actually a big beta for a game mode that they do want to make. Yeah. Or like they want to. Maybe the the team at respawn had that Titanfall itch mm. again, and they were like, like we missed like a big the TDM style mm. game mode. You know, like we've been doing this, you know, close knit thing where you know third third parting is is basically meta, mm. um, and. Then they they moved over into the Counter Strike style arenas thing, and then like they might have missed what they had made in the past. Um, but yeah, this doesn't feel quite quite tweaked to be a fully fledged thing, mm-hmm. which I, is, I'm pretty sure that's why it's getting removed in about in three weeks or whatever. In, in two, two weeks more now. weeks now, yeah. And they've put so much work into it. Like it's definitely going to be mm. a we'll see what the response is and see if we bring it back, see if it becomes standard. I've never seen a limited yep. time mode be such a standalone thing like this before, though. Um, it's yep. fascinating. It's it's interesting because it does do for me what I kind of wanted it to do, which is give me much more, uh, much much more practice, like actual practice. Yes. I'm shooting real enemies, like other players, and they're moving like real people, and they're shooting back at me, and it's dangerous, but it gives me practice and lets me warm up and gets me right back in so like it, 
it does do that, and that's great because Apex, I really do think it sorely needs something like that. Um, yeah. There's been a couple of times where I've I've played where I started with Control and then we went to the Battle Royale afterwards. And those times in the Battle Royale, after warming up in Control for two or three rounds, I have had more fun, more success, shot more people more accurately, gotten more kills, been a part of more firefights and not died Yep. in the Battle Royale when participating in Control first. And the time where I didn't, in the middle, I did a middle round where we went straight to the Battle Royale, I, it just felt like I was doing nothing like i was i was just cannon fodder which is a a feeling that i get in apex you know relatively often and it's the one i want to avoid so in that regard it is really effective i think if it stayed around a long time i don't know if it would i don't i don't know if it would really have a in in the state that it's in let's say i don't know that it would really earn its place in the permanent roster no i i i agree um it's like it, it is a it is a, a good foundation I think but I think maybe the weirdly I think maybe the weakest part of it is the actual control part of control mm. I think I might actually enjoy it more if it was just standard team deathmatch I think I would be nine yeah um because it's the kind of game where I think the the people that are playing it actually want to play Team Deathmatch, or at least the majority of it. And so when people, you know, it's it's like any game, when people are not going for the objective, then it can sort of get kind of not as fun because you feel like you're losing all the time mm. because you are losing, but that's because people are not actually playing the game. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, in Apex, in arenas, it's like you kill the guy, like you win. Yeah. Um, and this is not that. So throwing that into into that formula can like kind of breaks it up a little bit. It reminds me of when Halo Infinite had Team Deathmatch and a bunch of objectives put together um, in the playlist. And so people, when suddenly you're playing an objective-based game mode, like people didn't actually want to play that. So then they sort of fell off a little bit. Um, I think they need to maybe like trim the fat a little bit, um, or maybe. Like maybe it needs a bespoke map or something, something a little bit less, just a section of the battle royale map, right? Um, which you know is obviously a ton more work because what they've done is reutilize part of the battle royale into this. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you reckon they should move it into a battle royale? Uh, sorry, a team deathmatch mode, or I don't know. I don't think the devs want to do that. I, think, I don't think they do either. I think they they want team based gameplay. They they want squad based gameplay. That's what like it seems to be what they really want to favor. And and you can see that in their breakdown of how they've changed how the rank system works in Battle Royale this season as well. Where it's like, oh, you get more points for being a part of the late game rather than getting as many kills as possible. They found that too many people were just going for high kill games and then like just throwing themselves at people regardless of the outcome. And they want people to want to win more than they want to get kills. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, like those those two things go hand in hand, but they want them to go hand in hand, not leave one by the wayside. Um, and and I, I think that that sort of gets shown off as well with the, like if you think about a bunch of the, the, mo- the more recent heroes, while they have been quite offensive, they all, like, in terms of, like, being uh, aggressive, a, a lot of the most recent heroes also give buffs to your team. 
mm-hmm. um, or at least will help out your teammates and to to really concentrate on the like work with your squad type gameplay that they're really focusing on. Yeah, that's true. All of the last four legends, all of the legends from the last year have done something like that. Like mm. Valkyrie's ultimate gets the squad out and you can see people on the map. All of Seer's tracking stuff you can see, that helps the whole team to see out their enemies. Ash can track yeah. people on the map and show your teammates. Yeah, no, it's it's that's that's a really good point. Um Yeah. It I want it to stay around, but I also want it to be better. Or maybe it can yeah. maybe it can rotate in every every nine weeks we get three weeks of control or something like that. New maps. Yeah. Uh maybe every time there's a new every maybe every time there's a new season. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah, that like just like I I think it does need to go away, come back fresh, come back revamped, refocused to find out what can really make that game mode feel like it's in its spot because it, I, yeah. I don't think it really has like yet. a like a regular guest star. I think would be the the perfect <laughs> kind of vibe for this thing. What 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 a, what? a regular <laughs> guest star? <laughs> yeah, like on a sitcom. <laughs> like a like a Saul Goodman on a Breaking Bad. No, not not a Saul Goodman because he's basically prime cast. Like uh, like uh, you, know, you ever watch Friends? Yeah. Like uh, the dentist Elliot Gould. The, no, the 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 guy with the mustache. Uh, Monica's parents' dentist, who she falls in love with. <laughs> Tom Tom Selleck. Yeah, that guy. He's in it like. Twice. No, he's in it. He's in it a bunch. He's in it like I no, want to no, say like no, four like, different times, and then across no, multiple he, episodes th- each time. Really? I thought he comes in once and then leaves. No, he's in it a bunch. Or like, right, okay. I'd say like Paul Rudd, but he's kind of like not there until he's there, and then he is just there. Yeah. So not quite like Paul Rudd. Yeah. This could be. You, this you could want be it to be like a, of Apex Legends. Well, you want it to be like an Avenger showing up in a non-Avenger movie. Like they've got like a good, you know, like 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 Falcon in Ant Man. Well, that's the thing. Are we talking Falcon in Ant Man, or are we talking like Hawkeye and Black Panther and and Ant Man and uh, and Vision in Civil War? <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. Okay, because <laughs> those are the two scales we've got to go off. We've got like yeah, three minute man. cameo, or actually just an Avengers movie, and it isn't called that but it is yeah no we're talking like yeah we know what we're talking about of course we know what we're talking about jeremy (laughs) as if there was any doubt (laughs) so yeah i'm glad it's here and like i'll keep playing it while it's here i don't know what its future is yeah i don't know i hope respawn could do something fun with it i hope there is something like this when it's gone i'll miss it i think I will miss Maybe the they need to put Titans in it. <laughs> That's the one thing I really don't want for Apex. It's coming. I don't think so. None of the maps are built for it. And it would ruin everything. And it wouldn't be fun anymore. <laughs> uh, so, next on the, on the itinerary. Uh, tell us about this PSX demake of Bloodborne, Jeremy. Also, so, what does PSX stand for, if not PlayStation Experience? I've heard this acronym before, but I don't actually know what it is. What is it? I, I don't know what PSX means. I know they released a PSX as a console back when the PS1 was a thing. Because there was the PS1 and then there was the PS-O-N-E one. Mm. 
and then there was a PS. I, I don't know. Okay, um, here, here we go. The PSX is a Sony digital video recorder with a fully integrated PlayStation Two home video game console. Right there, huh. you go. It was released in Japan in December 13, two thousand and three. It's Jeremy's birthday. No, it's not. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, like if if you've been around any of the any Bloodborne circles or any like it 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 fell into the mainstream a little bit. Um, there was a there was an indie ve- indie developer that was um making a PS one style uh Bloodborne demake. And it was it, it was shown around on Twitter for a little bit. Um, it's developed by someone on itch by the name of LW Media. Um, it was shown on it was shown on Twitter a little bit, and then like it was sort of, it looked like one of those things that was sort of like it was going to be shown on Twitter, and then it sort of was probably going to like fall away a little bit. I don't think people actually expected it to get finished in the way that it is. Um, like it's not it's definitely not the full game. Um, it's also not a it's not a one-to-one remake of Yarnum, which I found interesting. Mm. Um, but what it is, is it's the first chunk of Bloodborne. And for folks that don't get very far in these types of games, it is what they will be most familiar with. It is, you wake up in uh, the clinic on the first floor, you then go down into central Yarnum. there's chunks of central Yarnum around, then there is the cleric beast on the bridge, and then there is Father Gascoigne over in the grave at the cathedral. Um, and then, like, and that is as, uh, that is the entirety of the Bloodborne PSX. Does it do um, the whole like the sewers and the all the interstitial bits, or is it kind of condensed? It it, it is different, and I and I I didn't quite expect it to be as different as it is. Mm. Um, and not that it's a bad thing, but but it is very faithfully PS one in the way that they've made their changes. Right, so it's more For example, it's more PS1 than it is Bloodborne. Yes, kind of. I don't, it, it toes that line almost perfectly. Okay. Um, because it is not open world. It is like bespoke sections because that's how PlayStation's rendered game, for example. Um, you would be in little areas and then you'd go through a doorway and then you'd enter another area, which means that like enemies will then repopulate in those previous areas as opposed to when you... Go at a bonfire. You can also go to the Hunter's Dream, talk to the doll, level up, German Zone, the wheelchair, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't have like a crazy amount of things to say about it. I think it's really neat, and I'm really glad that they were able to put out a finished product of it. Um, I think that's really cool. Um, it is free on itch as well. That's fun. Um, it 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 plays like a PS1 game. Um, you don't have two twin stick controls of player and character. Um, to change the character, it is L two and R two, um, you know, like a like a PS one game. Yep. Uh, keys don't automatically unlock doors. You have to like equip the key, go up to the door, use the key, or put it in your quick select, etc. Um, to transform your weapon, like you do in Bloodborne, you have to quickly go into a menu and press the transform button and leave the menu because <laughs> like because there's not enough buttons. That's so funny. Um, it's it's really funny. Um, there's leveling up. There's souls. There's insight. There's uh, you know, there are there are still lanterns. Um, there was immediately like one of the NPCs that I remembered where they were. That turns out they were still there. Um, the but gear? the actual layout. Yep, yeah. There's a little bit of gear. There's a few weapons. I think there's like five weapons, and there's different um clothes as well. Not many, but there's there's a little bit. Um. 
and there's all the like it's like redone music and like sounds and stuff um but it it sounds like bloodborne mm. uh but yeah like i think the thing that was most surprising is that every now and again they'll bring something straight from the game over like for example the long ladder that leads you to the first um uh lantern in central yarnum that's still there but then immediately it's almost unrecognizable layout wise interesting and then and then you'll find an area that is very similar. Like there's a part where there's like a, a guy that bursts through a crate um, yeah. and it's sort of like the first like jump scare a little bit. Um, that area is there and then it goes into, again, unrecognizable areas. It's kind of like remembering by memory where everything is. Like you ever see those images? It's like draw a Pokemon by memory sort yes, of thing. It's kind of like that for Central Yarnum, <laughs> which is very funny. Um, those images I, always I, look awful <laughs> yeah yeah um this this is quite good um it also uh like i was playing it on my crt which was fun and so the first thing i did was go into the options and turn off all the crt filters because i was playing it on a crt right um and then i was playing it on a computer that isn't super stable at the moment and so the game crashed and an error code popped up and i couldn't read it because the fucking crt was so blurry <laughs> so, the fuck does that say and then i pressed enter and then it, like the game crashed i was like oh right okay bad um, but yeah, like uh, then I was playing it on my regular computer and it's, t- it's totally stable. Um, it's really cool. I definitely recommend people give it a go. It's from what I can tell, it's about three and a half hours. Um, I got up to the cleric beast, but I did not defeat the cleric beast in the, in my play session. Wow. Um, does it feel okay though. to play? Like it feels like a PS1 game. Like I've, I've been well, yeah, through some of those. Question, not- right? is, is it, is it okay PS1 game or is it like, uh, yeah. It's not like it feels better than Silent Hill, um, okay. which is like a a a bar that you need to reach for you to start having fun with the controls of a game. Yeah, I was going to say um, that's a low bar these days. Yeah, because the first Silent Hill game does not play very well. It is extraordinarily tanky. This is a little bit more modern because it's the, the game still is about movement, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like Bloodborne. But it feels better than Silent Hill. It's got this good middle ground of like late PS1, early PS2, I think, in terms of feeling. Mm-hmm. But everything else that it captures is definitely PS1 style, aside from maybe the text is a little bit too sharp. Need, 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 need a bit sharp. less pixels. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Well, cool. Um, I, it, it's, the, it's the kind of thing that June always likes to say. You've, you've sold me on the game, Jeremy. <laughs> it's also like 200 meg. Like, like it is yeah. like a it is a really chunky, like like uh, sorry a a not very chunky game. It is like it could theoretically I think fit on a DVD. Well, yeah, because I think those are like seven hundred meg. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. it sounds like they'd struggled to make the whole game like that, but like they've done a good job at actually making this in a way that is quite faithful. I, I really like that. Mm. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy. Like you and I did how many Unity prototypes. And it's so easy to make a, like, four gigabyte project file for this, like, oh. shitty prototype that doesn't actually, isn't fun, doesn't sound good, doesn't play good. <laughs> 100%. It, I have a lot of respect for people who can not only make something that's fun, but do it in a way that's optimized and, and mm. like, that, yeah. that kind of blows my mind. Mm. All right, what have we got next on our minutes here? Uh, oh, yeah, um, we also have... So, Maybe, this is I, good. I'll, I'll start us off here. So we were sure. playing. Were we playing Apex the other day? I don't think so. We were playing Apex, and then we all decided to stop. We said, "Oh, I'm going to go to bed." 
We all said I'm going to go to bed, including Jeremy. And then Jeremy said, I'm going to fly a plane in Flight Simulator. And then I said, didn't you just say you go to bed? And Jeremy's like, I want to, I want to be in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And so Ollie left. Just watching for a little bit, but Ollie left to, like not too late, not too long afterwards. And I was just sitting there watching Jeremy fly across Melbourne because they've just added a new Melbourne um, yeah, DLC. Yeah, there's, there's an... Ast- there's there's an Australia update, so you can That's download right. um, like it. There's it, it's it's lot lots of like major areas in Australia have been 3D model a lot more bespokely, rather bespokely. than like generated. <laughs> yeah, um, and like they, they've gone through landmark. Like, like the big prawn, for example, is now 3D modeled, um, <laughs> uh, which is fun. Um, yeah, and it's so like after my computer troubles a fortnight ago. Um, I download, re-downloaded Flight Sim and then downloaded the Australia update um, and it, it looks great. It looks absolutely fucking stunning. Yeah. It was, it was fascinating watching Jeremy fly around areas that we're intimately familiar with. Um, and we were sort of being like, oh, that's over there. And Jeremy's saying, oh, what about this suburb? Like, what was it? Uh, you were talking about Yalambi. And I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't point to Yalambi on a map if my life depended on it. And you're like, mm. oh, you know, it's over here, it's over there. It's like, I, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you want to take it from here, Jeremy? I can't remember how we got to the next bit. Uh, so we were flying uh, where we were flying over my house um, in the suburb that I live in, and then you and I live fairly close to each other on the same side of Melbourne. Um, and so then from, from my area, I was then flying over your area and I was like moving the camera while I was flying to try and point out your house. And then we were flying over where we both used to live because many years ago, it turns out we lived next door to each other way before we knew each other, yeah, which, which is you didn't know, yeah. still absolutely wild. It's very funny. Um, we would have bumped into each other at least once. At least Without once. realizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... So we were flying over that area uh, and then we were flying a little bit further out in areas that you and I used to frequent a little bit more than we do now um, in an area in Melbourne called Greensboro, which is just a, just a suburb. It's just, <laughs> just a pretty, pretty middle of the road suburb in, in Melbourne. Suburb. Yeah. Yeah. Like fairly, fairly green in Greensboro as it turns out. <laughs> um, and it, it's also next to quite a large freeway um, known as the Greensboro Highway. Uh, the bypass, please. Sorry, the Greensboro Bypass. Um, to and Greensboro. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's also a bridge that will take you into Greensboro from, from the surrounding suburbs over there. And we were flying over and we were, we're both familiar with that area. Oh, and you and just spent was... time trying to fly under the Balti Bridge in the, <laughs> near the CBD. Oh, I, I had successfully flown under the Balti Bridge quite a few times. Yes. Um, the, Balti bridge is, the, Bal- the Balti Bridge is very easy to fly over. Um very like I, I, fl- I was flying through buildings in the city, um, flying over our old uni, going over Jeff's Shed, Melbourne Central, et cetera, et cetera. Um, looks, looks stunning. And then I, you pointed out the Greensboro Bridge and you said, oh, look at that. It's a shame it's not modeled. And I got real low to the ground and flew over it. And we realized it definitely is modeled and I could definitely fly under it. Yeah, well, not, not definitely fly under it, but I could definitely try. There's a much smaller bridge than the Balti Bridge. And I looked at yes. it. And it, when you're on it, it feels huge. Like when you're in a car yes. in real oh, life. It, it's a big bridge. But, but, but when um, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's over a little, it's over a river. Yeah. Um, 
And so then I tried various planes and various different aircraft and spent about an hour lining myself up, getting better at it, learning the route and trying to fly under the Greensboro Bridge. Yeah. And every time you change to a new plane, one that was a bit smaller and it would be like way harder to control and you get in it and oh, you'd be like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, so, so wily some of those planes. Um, and to be fair, that's because I'd throttle up to max and I was not, I was, I was relearning how to play that game as well and relearning how to fly a plane in a flight sim. Um, but yeah, then, then we spent an hour just like trying to figure out like the best approach. Yeah slowing down going under and then eventually like i made it under the greensboro bridge bounced off the ground and yep. then went straight back up again yep. um and while i'm yelling like that counts that counts that counts <laughs> i made it um it was really fun it was um, so fun it was such a dumb thing that we were trying to do and like um, it was just so silly because yeah. it was like oh fly a jet over melbourne and then you did, and it was like, whoa, this is way faster than the other thing. And like the scale was different yeah. too. Because like the jet I was in a took- fighter jet and Melbourne felt way fucking smaller in that thing because the jet was huge and like But now it like it's took going up like over- the same like space on the screen that the that the previous plane did. So mm. so then the city was the only thing that got smaller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My my reference had gotten had had changed, um, my perspective. Um yeah, I like. I re- I think I really love this game. Mm. I think I think this is one of the most special games I think I've ever played, which is really interesting because it's such a not like. It's it's, it's a such a strange thing. It's a simulator, but it's such a specific simulator. But what they're going for is like so. It's really human in a way to like to look for the thing that you are familiar with. Mm. Like it's quite relatable. Yeah, it is. Um, I was watching the no clip of of Flight Sim semi recently, and the, and you know, like like truly, honestly, I think I think the game couldn't have come out at a better time. Which was like, it came out as COVID was like beginning to run through the world. Yeah, only a few months um, after Animal Crossing, right? Yeah, like yeah, like around that time. Um, and the the folks who Melba of uh, who made it, I don't remember the name of the studio. A sobu or something. Um, they was saying that they were shocked at immediately the first place anyone tends to go to is their home. Yeah. Um, and I remember flying over Melbourne before the update, so it was it was a bit more generated at that point. But like flying over it while we were in like a like one of the heaviest lockdowns in the world, going like oh like there's my city like I haven't seen that in such a long time a place they used to frequent. Minimum once a week. That you were still um, like living in the surroundings of, yeah. Yeah, like I could see it from my house, but I couldn't go to it. And suddenly I was flying over it and familiarizing myself and remembering it. Um, and then, yeah, like having this update has like really brought it to the next level. I'm so excited for them to continue to do that for more places around the world. Because um, I think it's also a wonderful way to see new places as well. Um Flying over New York is still like incredible, mm-hmm. um, because because that like you don't quite realize how tall New York is until you're flying over it. Um, 
or I'm assuming for people who live there, like th- th- they'll be able to tell by looking up and just like seeing like yeah. the but sheer for being mass like of such it all. A famous, well-known city that you haven't actually been in, yeah. Yes, yeah. It it, it is it is really a, a sight to behold um, in that game, um, and so yeah, I like honestly like I could recommend this game to literally anybody in the world um, because I think it's one of the more unique and special things that 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 exists in this game. And yeah, it's not the first flight simulator. It's like the 10th one, isn't it? Or like the 11th, but... Um, Something like that, yeah. It's the first one that has the whole world in the yeah. game. Like before it just used to be set locations, right? Like like maps, you'd load I'm, a map. I'm not sure. I've never played a flight sim. Yeah. I'm not sure either, but it was, it was something like that. So like, yeah, there's something really... It, it really amps up the simulator because you can't just be like, I want to fly from Melbourne to Perth today and do that. And yep. it would take you hours. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, fly the plane from the airport and fly over certain landmarks and see what the country, see the country change color and start seeing like the red sand across the middle of the country and stuff like that and land the plane on the other side. Like there's something quite... Every step of the process is there for you. You, you know, mm. you're not being, you're, it's not like you fly X number of kilometers away from Melbourne and then they're like, now we're going to take you to the outer edges of Perth. Whoop. Yeah, it's it's not that like Horizon, um, uh, the Forza Horizon games, uh, they do that like greatest hits versions of the locations that they're set in, which I think is like, it work, definitely works for that game. Yeah, where it's very um, condensed. Yes. Um, but uh, I remember I've been on Discord calls with a friend of the show, Byron, where I... Uh, left at Melbourne Airport and I just flew to Canberra um, where they live mm. and then I would like say like hey Byron look at the stream now and they would look and they'd say like oh hey look and like I I went the whole way there um, yep. and like it's because it's only like 45 minutes or so or half an hour um, but if, you, if you're gonna you can get there in like 25 30 minutes <laughs> um, uh, but yeah like and it's yeah it is just it is just stunning so. Yeah, my question is like, I'm I'm not putting it on my computer. I refuse. My poor 980 would like eject itself from my motherboard and run <laughs> down the street if I try to do that. Um, but I'm my question then becomes like they did make a big effort of porting it. Well, make I don't know if it was porting it, but making it um, playable on Xbox, mm. um, specifically the series. I don't think it's available on the one. I'm not sure. I'm, I I would need to look that up. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, but I've got the Series X, right? And I'm like, oh, how well is this going to run on console? Because I know it's quite, you know, you, you get in the cockpit and you can turn every dial and you can, there are so many buttons in these kinds of technical simulator games. And I'm like, oh, am I, if, am I, I'm going to be stuck on the gamepad. Is that going to work? Is it going to be okay? It, it it totally is. I've used the gamepad on PC. It's totally fine. The, okay. They've set up pr- pretty good control schemes um, for anything that you would need for anybody that, that anybody that would you want to use a controller. Hmm. Um like the game is daunting to to try or to download actually yes um but i i i there is there have been some good genuine efforts made to make this game more accessible for folks who have never played a flight sim before like me like i'd never done one before and like sure enough like i went in and like i started looking at some of the nitty gritty stuff cuz i was like interested to see what it was but yeah like they it's definitely worth at least a shot. That's cool. Yeah. I'll 
I'll, I'm, I'll maybe install it because you're right. The install itself is quite daunting. It's like, well, if you're going to sit there and take up 40% of my hard drive, I better play you. And then that's quite a commitment. Um, it's yeah. gotten smaller. Well, smaller, but then they bring out DLC. Yeah, but like all of that's optional. You can you can download and delete the ones that you want. Okay, which is good. Okay, we'll see. We'll see if I end up installing it. I'm on, I'm on the fence. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, um, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about the state of the Nintendo Switch and where Nintendo is right now in terms of thinking about their console and what the future looks like for them. So we've got a number of questions, we've got some quotes to bring forward and some hypothetical situations to talk through. Uh, we're excited about that. We'll bring that for you right after the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Minimapcast. What is the life cycle of a system? Is it when the new one comes out or when the old one dies? Ponder that, everybody, while we while we talk about uh, the Nintendo Switch. Um, <laughs> wasn't quite sure where I was going with that, could you tell? Um, I can't believe you didn't do the, like, the year is 19... <laughs> sorry, do the hell is it? Because that's what we're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeremy, there was no, there was no new game that I was going to bait and switch you with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Uh, a couple of interesting things have come out from Nintendo this last week. One of them being a Nintendo Direct, by the way. Um, it was an interesting Direct. I thought it was fine. Some people loved it. I was like, eh. Um, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was inoffensive. Yeah. A lot of the things they announced we're going to talk about um, in this next section here. Uh, but what I've, I've titled this as the state of Nintendo, but it's kind of more of like the state of the Switch, really. It's it's taking stock. It's we're we're basically two weeks away from the five year birthday of the Switch. It came out uh, the start of March twenty seventeen, um, and so that's nearly five years exactly. And it's interesting because normally, well, for one, the Wii U only lived for five years. Um, I think less. I think it was like end of twenty twelve to start of 2017, which is really only, like, less than four and a half years. Yeah, but it's better to... No, I know, but, like, when you consider it, I'm just saying, the Switch has lived longer than the Wii U. It has been far more prosperous, far more successful, sold nearly nine times as many units as the Wii U ever Yeah, I was going to say, it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's been a couple of things that have come out this last week. Uh, And... And we're going to bring them in sort of sequentially as each question requires it. But uh, the start of this segment is based on a tweet, which came from uh, the Twitter account is Navid underscore Mohebi. I'm going to I'm going to retweet that now if you ever want to find it. You can find it on my Twitter. Um, but basically, it's a, a comparison of Nintendo's uh, Switch lineup from 2017 when they released the game compared to their upcoming releases for 2022 and some already releases um it's quite interesting when you compare them actually and so what we're going to do what i'm going to do is i'm going to run through um what do you think jeremy should i do each one left and right do one then it's equivalent or do all of you one then all of you you now no no we'll go we'll go one one from each okay so the the side here it's it's got 
year one and then 2022 left and right side, respectively. Yeah. And, and, and 2022 is not, the game is coming out of 2022. It's just like, has been announced in like as a game that will exist. I think all of these have 2022 release windows. Right, but... We know None that doesn't these. necessarily all, mean it will happen, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. what I'm saying is not all of these are going to hit that, yeah. which is fine. But at least that we can confidently say that they all have at least a release date um, yeah. in this coming year, whether they make it or not. Pardon me. So, uh, in year one... So, I'm just going to go through this sequentially. So, year one, it starts with... Uh, what is that? Pokken Tournament DX, which was uh, a Wii U game, basically Pokemon cross with Tekken. It was a fighting game. And then, asides, beside that, in the other year, we have Pokemon Legends Arceus. So that's just saying, we had a Pokemon game that first year, we've got a Pokemon game this year. Um, Legends yep. is doing far better than Pokken ever did. Um, yes. And I think is better. But that you know that's a really strong start for this year. It's just Pokemon, Pokemon. Uh, in year, year one, yep, you're right, I've got to speed this up. We've got Bayonetta <laughs> 2, <laughs> which again was a Wii U re-release onto the Switch. And we have confirmed for this year that Bayonetta 3 is supposed to come out. Uh, this is one of the weird ones where it's like, these kind of don't relate, but it's like they're equivalent. We've got ARMS in year one, and they've equated that to Advance Wars 1 and 2, and I guess in terms of how many sales it will drive. They're kind of similar, first-party, kind of ancillary titles. Uh, Some people I, will like I, I would them. Equ- I would equate that more to Mario Strikers, which is also on the other list, in terms of like it's a, it's a more sports-focused sort of game. Yeah. Uh, all the other ones are going to make more sense here, though. So then we've got yep. Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle in year one. And now now we have the sequel of Mario and Rabbids, which is... I can't see what that says. Sparks of Hope. Sparks of Hope, thank you. Um, supposed to come out this year. We've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe came out in year one. This year we're getting Mario Kart 8 Deluxe <laughs> DLC for the first time, which is wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was announced in the Direct. Uh, we've got Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out in... Uh, 2017. This year, it was announced at the Direct we're getting Xenoblade Chronicles 3 in September, allegedly. Uh, Kirby Star Allies came out in 2017, and in just a couple of months, we're getting Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Splatoon 2 came out in 2017. We're getting Splatoon 3 this year. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out in 2017. We're getting the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild this year, allegedly. Maybe. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors came out in 2017, um, and it was announced in the Direct that we're getting a Fire Emblem Warriors based on the storyline and the setting of Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is cool. So that's a Musou game, but set in the Fire Emblem universe. And then we've got here Super Mario Odyssey, uh, attached to, which came out the first year, attached to Super, Super, no, Mario Strikers Battle League, which is the new Strikers game they announced. Wild that they're bringing that back, by the way, which is great. Many people are happy. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very keen for it. And then the one that isn't actually on here, and they've sort of responded in their own message, being like, I can't believe I didn't do this. They've announced... So I'll just say, 1-2-Switch came out the first year, and they just announced that Nintendo Switch Sports, which is a sequel, spiritual successor to uh, Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, is coming to Switch uh, this year. So there's this this equivalency. There's this one-to-one comparison that you can draw you know one leads to the other or in almost every circumstance when you look at this diagram when you look at this mm. um, image it's really strange yeah it's it's very very odd um but not not at all in a bad way i think that like i think the switch's year one lineup was extraordinarily strong especially for a 
for a console launch, especially for a Nintendo console launch, which by and large for the past, like for, for a while, haven't been that strong. Yeah, yeah, because Switch came out with such a good momentum force. Like, people said, like, there was a a full quality Nintendo game, people saying, every couple of months for a couple of years when when it came out. Yeah. And people have been saying it's been kind of dying down from that. And honestly, I could see why. It's hard to maintain that kind of momentum. The reason why it was so strong for this is because the Wii U failed. That's why it was so strong on the Switch. Yeah, that they could port all the good Wii U games over mm-hmm. to the point where there are no good Wii U games left that are and, not on and Switch the ones almost. That, the ones that were going to be good on Wii U just came out on Switch instead. Yeah, or yeah, or both. Like they were they mm-hmm. they were just they were coming out on both for, at the beginning of that Breath of the Wild, etc. Um, so like, yeah, they they had a, a a very strong lineup and they'd slowed down over the past eighteen months. Um, only to decide that they, what if we fucked around and just did it all again? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. So like, my first question regarding this is: Was this done on purpose? Was this done knowingly? Did they do this on purpose? I I think yes and no. I think I think what they did is that they cut the Wii U life cycle shorter than maybe what they initially would have, mm-hmm. knowing that the Switch was going to do a lot better, they could do some new things with it, and development cycles would actually line up. I think that that wasn't, th- that wasn't the decision, but it was a factor in the release of the Switch happening, honestly, as fast as it did. Um, we knew for totally. a while that they had been working on 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 a new thing. It was called the Nintendo. What was it called? The NX for NX. a while. Yeah, kind of funny. Was um, fond of saying X is going to give it to you. Right. Um, <laughs> they. I, I, I. And then suddenly, it was revealed, like on a Thursday. Yeah, like we we came into uni that day and we were all watching the trailer before class started. Yeah. Yeah. And. I remember the the reaction to it wasn't like oh my god this is going to be the most amazing thing ever the the, the reaction was like like what like what is this because um, we didn't quite know because it was you know it was a it's a cross between a handheld and a um and a cons and a like a TV console mm. but I think I think one of the smartest decisions they made was releasing it when they did meant that development cycles would line up that they would have a really good early punch and then they would have another cycle of all of these studios at least once more mm-hmm. but also them actually stopping development of 3ds games and getting all those people to then focus on the switch as well yeah suddenly means that like all of the studios that were spread across two very different platforms for a very long time suddenly can have more than one cycle of development inside of this console which honestly means that I think going forward, this is going to be one of the greatest libraries of a console. Totally. Um, it's the kind of thing that means that we got Metroid Dread on Switch rather than on the 4DS, right? Like, Yeah. yeah. And that's a positive yes. thing. I probably wouldn't have even... Con- and I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to. And I wouldn't have considered playing it if it was on the DS. I just don't play stuff there anymore. It's not... A, a dedicated handheld system doesn't really mm. suit me that much anymore. Um, it, it means we got uh, an Animal Crossing back on the TV again. Yep. Um, which we hadn't had since the GameCube. I don't think there was one on the Wii. Oh, that was the that Amiibo festival. Oh no, that was Wii U. 
It had yeah. been a long time. It had been a long time since the Animal Crossing had been on the television. Yeah, it's same um, with Pokemon, honestly. Um, you yeah. Know, with, with Legends yeah. and Sword and Shield and Let's Go as well. Um, those those could step up to, you know, and in a disappointing way, but they were better than a handheld dedicated system has been in the past. Mm. And Arceus yep. is more than anything any other handheld could have done in the, in the past as well. So, um, yeah, it has enabled them and... and it's unified their their developers and their fan base and their audience. Mm. No more like, oh, Luigi's Mansion 2 was great, but it was on 3DS. No more yes. the, the Legend of Zelda N64 remasters are great, but it's on 3DS. And and I think there's a reason, like maybe this generation more than others, people are looking back at Nintendo's previous catalogue of games that they haven't touched in a while and going like, hey, I wonder if they're going to make a Star Fox. Hey, I wonder if they're going to make an F-Zero. Yeah. And I think that's because this it already feels so complete. You know, we are like, like not intentionally, but we are meeting, you know, the best Smash Brothers, honestly, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, you know, celebratoriness of, of that, um, of that company's portfolio. Um, and people like, uh, are looking at like this lineup of games going like, Hey, like this is like a, this is almost a golden age of, of new Nintendo games being brought out. Like, are they going to go back to their old ones and really revitalize them so they're then going into, you know, in five more years, apparently, when the Switch's life cycle is due to end? Like, are they going to bring those games across? Like, what happens then? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I, I think going back to the question, yes, yeah. there is extraordinary there is extraordinary merit to do it all again. Yeah. It worked for them and it's going to work for them again. And I hope, you know, it. I hope them deciding to have this glut of releases isn't hurting the developers. And it's obviously we have to, so, and speaking to, you know, was this done on purpose? Was this done knowingly? We have to point out that no one saw COVID coming and it, sure. hasn't, it hasn't helped anyone. And it's made, it's slowed down development on everything. Everything. Like, <laughs> just everything. No no qualification there. Just everything. Um, so... You know, on, on, on some level, maybe we would have we would have already had Breath of the Wild two. Maybe Bayonetta three would have come out twelve months ago, kind of a deal. We but would have had a Switch Pro, which we, we'll get to. Yeah, totally. So, on some level, like this, this has got to be like a make the best of what we've got. Um, like them deciding to do Mario Kart eight DLC instead of making Mario Kart nine, has got to be something to do with that. They leave it alone for five years and then make forty eight new tracks. It's kind of weird. It it is weird. I think I think what happened is they looked at that and they went, like, this is actually more just cost effective for us. I don't totally. think that they can't make another Mario Kart game, but I think that why would they? You know, totally, it's the greatest uh, selling game on Switch. It is. It's the best one. More than forty million units, which it is, is consistently amazing. Consistently at the top of the top of the charts all the fucking time. It's, it's almost it's, it's a uh, GTA Five level. Yeah, it's almost like a one to two, like um, attach rate. For, yeah, like there is there is a one in two chance that if you meet a Nintendo Switch owner, they will have Mario Kart. A one in two chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's absurd. I, it, I was talking to my old housemate about it, um, and he was saying like he was saying he's one of the only people who doesn't own Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, and the only reason is because everyone he knows owns it that he doesn't even feel the need to buy it because That's everyone funny. else already fucking has it. Yep. Um. And I think it's it's also worth briefly mentioning as well that not a lot of these games are are direct sequels. No, um, they are like 
games in the same series, the same genre, same or the same like yeah, the same franchise. Or like some, a few of them are sequels, but like most of them are another take on those, which I think is I think is important to know because they're not just doing the exact same thing again. They mm-hmm. are still thankfully trying new things yeah. in those relative spaces, which I think which I think is very important and very commendable that they are doing that. Because mm-hmm. it'd be very easy for them to just say like, hey cool, we've got Mario Kart 9. Hey cool, we've got Breath of the Wild 2. Hey cool, we've got Mario Odyssey 2. We've got, uh, you know, fucking Kirby Star Allies 2, Fire Emblem Warriors 2. And we've got some um, of those sequels. We've got Mario and Rabbids yeah. 2. We've got Splatoon 3. We've got Bayonetta 3. We've got Wii Sports again well, but, on Switch. But even Mario and Rabbids 2, it's not the same game. It's like it's there's a reason it's not called Mario Rabbids 2. It's a it's a different genre of game. What is it? Yeah, it's not an XCOM. It's not a tactical RPG. It's it's tactical RPG, but it's not the same t- style of tactical RPG. Oh, it's, that... it's a different it's it's a different style of game. I had no idea. Great. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's not completely different, but it's not completely the same. It oh. is different enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's it, it looks cool. I'm excited for that game. Great. Um, I should, I should play more of the first <laughs> before uh, they before they ditch that, it. <laughs> yeah. So but that does l- lead us into the next topic, which is like, where does the switch end? Yeah. What do we consider the life cycle of the switch? Totally. So um, there's a. Do you want to read this or should I? Yeah, like I, I, so I, I found, um, like I, last week there was a, uh, it's, it's uh, called here the corporate management policy briefing slash six months financial results briefing for fiscal year ending t- March twenty twenty two of Nintendo. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep. Um, it, it's a, it's a Q and A with with uh, members of the board and shareholders. Yeah, um, on Nintendo one of the questions. Side. Yes, yes. Um, uh, one of the questions was, I'd like to hear your thoughts about the next generation of hardware, both its concept launch, uh, so both its concept and launch timing. Um, so Shintaro Fukurawa, f- so f- Furukawa is, he's the president, president that's of right. Nintendo. Uh, he said, we are not able to comment about the next game system at a time, blah, blah, blah. What, what he goes on to say specifically is we recognize the system is at the midpoint of its life cycle, right. which is, not what anyone was, I think, expecting. No. I think everyone was expecting the Switch to be maybe three quarters of the way through. Because uh, when was the last time we had a, a console that was more than... more Around for more than seven years, you know what I mean? The PS3. No, uh, Th- That yeah. one went for eight or nine years. That was a long one. Yeah. Like the P- the PS3 outstayed its welcome, honestly. Like the PS3, by the end of it, games were being made for it, but like they were they were pushing the limits for quite mm-hmm. a while on that mm-hmm. console generation. The thing that gets me with the oh, well, we should read through the rest of the quote. So we recognize the system is at the midpoint of its life cycle. Yeah, like the the other part of it that is like important to note basically is we believe a foundation for growth has been laid that exceeds what we previously considered to be a conventional hardware life cycle. With regards to the next game system, we are considering many different things, but as far as the concept and launch time is concerned, there's nothing we can share at this time, which has always been Nintendo's thing of, like, we do not comment, we do not comment on speculation and rumors. Totally, um, right. We, it's very rare to hear anything from a, one of the console manufacturers about a console more than 12 months before it actually comes out. Yeah. We like, heard about and, the know, Switch when four they do, months before it came out. 
Yeah, totally. And and when you do, for the most part, it's like a there's either like, of course, we're looking at new hardware, or of course, there will be another PlayStation at some point. But at the moment, our focus is on the PS Five. Blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo don't look like like this. Feels different to that though. This feels like a yeah no like like we've got some years to go. Mm-hmm. This feels like a we are planning on supporting the Switch for quite a lot longer than y'all are expecting. Yeah. Um, you've invested, and really we're going to be here with you. Which I think I think is actually quite smart. Um, I think at this point, knowing what's announced and knowing how well the adoption rate has been for such a long time, as well as the addition of two adjacent SKUs over the past, what, two years? Um, yeah, so there's three, three total SKUs. And yeah, the, the Switch Lite and the Switch OLED came out two years apart, I think. Yeah. Um, they are... They are bolstering the Switch's, like, strength in the hardware space, um, which makes sense, right? Like, it, 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 they've, they've struck gold. They don't want to suddenly turn around and have to restart everything, right? Um, because that was their MO. That's what they've been doing for 20 or 30 yeah. years. You know, they, they, hit, they had the NES and the SNES... The N64 didn't do so well. And that was sort of growing pains of console gaming. But then once it gets to, like, going from the N64 to the GameCube, and then the GameCube kind of underperforming, then the Wii being one of the best-selling consoles of all time, really penetrating the market and and being sold to non-gamers, a casual audience, your yeah. grandma and, and retirement villages. And then you've got at, the, at the Wii U, time, which was a failure. But also at the same time, adjacent to the Wii was the DS... True. Which was again one of like the strongest handhelds ever to have existed, mm-hmm. you know, like a a worthy successor to the Game Boy, um, to then go into the 3DS, which had a rocky launch at the beginning, but then sort of came into its own towards the end with the help of it being backwards compatible. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important to note as well that you know the Wii U, the Wii, um, also were backwards compatible along those ways to their respective previous generations. The Switch not doing that hurt it a little bit in terms of it didn't have a already quite strong library to fall back on. They had to bring those games forward. Yeah. Um, which wasn't which, necessarily a bad thing though because no one bought no. them because no one had a Wii U. <laughs> exactly. So like they, they have done, they, they've put in the work to make this feel like the Switch catalog and not feel like the Wii U catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that, like, like you can understand why they want to keep pushing that forward. They already have such a massive catalog with such a huge adoption rate. They they do want to keep bringing that forward, mm-hmm. and just you know keep that money train flowing. Right? Absolutely, yeah. So when we consider the con- like a console's life cycle, it I I immediately think of the PS2. Okay, and the reason for that is when did that console come out? Like two thousand. It's always way earlier than I expect. Um, Something like that, yeah. 2001, maybe. PlayStation 2 release. Came out in... 2000. Yeah, March 4th, 2000, right? Super early. And then the PS3 came out in 2006. 7. 2007, I believe. The 360 was 2006. So seven years. But in game stores, when I would walk into EB and I didn't own a PS3 yet, there was still a wall of PS2 games because hun- like more than 100 million people had one. Again, it was like yep. the Wii. It sold so much. It was so successful. Um, 
And for years after the PS3's launch, the PS2 was still very alive. And mm. I remember seeing stories of how the PS2 was only just kicking off and it was as strong as ever in Brazil and stuff like that. And they weren't getting the new consoles there yet because of uh, manufacturing things and shipping things and it was too expensive and stuff like that. But the PS2 was cheaper and it was selling like hotcakes in different regions. And it stayed alive and it was manufactured well into the PS3's life cycle. Really, yeah. really far into it. And for, without fail, you could every year... Up until like, I want to say like 2010 or 2011, still buy the newest FIFA on PS2. Just Dance. Just, well, of. not Just Dance, well, well, but like it, was like... the, it was the equivalent. Yes. Whereas it was just so popular and there were so many of them and people would buy it. It was worth their time to keep releasing it on the old system. And yeah. so while I, I, I do think of the PS2's life cycle as being, you know, 2000 to 2007, it's important to remember that the console lives on past when it's when it's new sibling comes along and and outshines it. It's the same reason that for two or three years after the Switch came out, every Nintendo Direct was split between new Switch games and new 3DS games. Yep. Because they were still servicing that market. It, was, it still had more potential. They still had more games they were developing for it. Mm. So... I remember four and a half years ago when they... When Sony relegated... Vita announcements to the E3 pre-show because yep. there was still a few. There was still a handful of random Vita announcements. Like, you know, it would be random shit like Spelunky on Switch. Uh, yep. Sorry, Spelunky on Vita and shit like that. So, so yeah, it's funny. So, that kind of... that It, it kind of leads me into one of... Like, a, another question we've got here, which is... What console does the switch live alongside yeah when its new sibling comes along what does the and nintendo likes to shake things up they like to do it differently they like to innovate and do something fun and do something different and i think that's part of why they're going to stick with the switch for so long is because it's gone so well even though if they want to change things up the next time they want it they want this to be as good for them as it has been for as long as it can be what does the switch live side by side with I, I I've been thinking about this since since they didn't announce a Nintendo Switch Pro, mm-hmm. because on paper, in terms of the hardware, the Switch is uh like the, the, the developers have been butting up against the hardware limitations of the Switch basically since launch. Yep. Um, for better or for worse, um, they they now know what it is and they they have a pretty good idea of what they can do with it, but also it's sometimes. The frame rate ain't great in some games. Sometimes they want to do a little bit more and they can't. There's there are uh, given. There's a lot of give and take when developing a AAA game specifically for the Switch. Um, but I also don't know what a Switch Pro looks like because you can't, especially now, lock out this like the 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 Switch Prime. We'll call it yeah. like you can't you you can't lock out that console. It has too high adoption rate. Everybody's got one. Some people have two, and like there, there is, there is no feasible game that will be exclusive for. It. Like I was thinking last year, and I said this on the podcast that like when the um, Pokemon Legends Arceus was announced, that I thought that was going to be the first Switch Pro game. That was right. because 
back then when we first saw that game, there was plenty of rumors going around about the Switch Pro. For all, like as far as we're aware, like that thing still did does exist in some capacity, but it's just like they just don't have the the silicon to actually generate it at the moment mm-hmm. to manufacture it on a, on a scale that would be worth it. Um, and they wouldn't want to start splitting their their player base. Um, I think as that game came along, we realized that it definitely can run on the Switch because it does. But like there was a there was a realistic thing going on of like okay maybe we're going to start seeing games that are going to be for their their higher priced skew. Um, and, and it's not an, a non Nintendo thing to do. It's happened before with no. the with the 3DS. Yep, they they explicitly started making. Uh, new Nintendo 3DS games, um, and that did not go very well. No, there it didn't. were there were three exclusive games or something. One of them being a Fire Emblem, one of them being a Xenoblade, and like another one. Yeah, and it was um, bad for all of them. It was. It, it it hurt them all because people didn't upgrade, especially because like people could see that it was we're getting to the end of the 3DS life like life cycle at that point. And so if we are now only in entering the second half of the Switch lifecycle, if they had announced the Switch Pro last year, we would have seen that this, is, this will become the replacement for the Switch. Mm. But if they're going to keep the Switch around for another five years, they can't bring out a replacement within those five years. They need to bring out an adjacent model, a Switch Pro that also games are releasing for the Switch. Yeah. But then I still don't know what that looks like because, like you said, they'd like to shake things up. They like to do something a little bit different with them all. What is that for the Switch? Yeah, it's so strange. And, you know, you, you bring up a good point earlier about how each Nintendo console from the GameCube onwards has been backwards compatible with the previous one. Um, yeah. And a lot of the handhelds as well, right? Like Game Boy Advance could play Game Boy games and DS could play Game Boy Advance games and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Wii, GameCube, Wii U, Wii. Yeah. So do they create a system that is backwards compatible with the Switch? So your library Absolutely. comes along with you, your busted, fucked up Joy-Cons come along with you, and you can <laughs> play those on, on there. Maybe it runs better, maybe it doesn't, but at least you don't leave all of that investment behind. Um, I, I think, I've, and I think the answer is you have to, right? Like they can't, like, I don't know if they can afford to cut that off to the point where like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe what they start and this is like a this is a very Nintendo thing and this is the thing that I would if they announce this I'd go that's a really fucking weird way to do it oh hit me alright so the Switch has got cartridges yeah Switch Pro uses those same cartridges yep however you then buy an additional cartridge (laughs) that is a Switch Pro that either goes into the top (laughs) Or goes into a second port. It's like a Switch Pro patch cartridge. Yes, it is the it is the Rumble Pack equivalent, where you get a you get a, a second port on the Switch Pro, no, not, which not. it'll then it'll read both of them at the same time because it can read cartridges very very quickly. It's like the high res textures. Yeah, high res textures, additional processing stuff. You know, like more shade, etc. Right. It'll keep the production of the Switch consoles the same because they'll be the same version of the game. The core game is going to run on the Switch cartridge. Yep. Or rather run off of it. Yep. But then the Switch Pro cartridge is the extra stuff that they can't fit on the Switch. And those don't have to have the same level of like intense, like, you know, 
piracy protection or whatever because you can't run it without the original game. So I, I that think that way that's... they can also double dip and pay a little. You got to you can you can buy those extra as well. They could release one for Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh, one. They could release cartridge. one. For, yes, they could release one for Mario Odyssey. Right. I I don't see that happening. I I, no, I think that's too I. complicated. <laughs> but you do bring forward an interesting point that maybe. What if they did bring forward that every we don't get maybe what we maybe the next Switch maybe the next Nintendo console is a Switch Pro maybe that is the next one maybe that's the big next thing and they keep making Switch games that run on the old system run better on the Pro but that it means that the Pro necessitates if you're playing the older games or a Switch game it necessitates you to have an online connection to download the Pro patch. Maybe it becomes more of an online required device if you want to get something that makes the full use of the hardware. But that that requires Nintendo to understand how the internet works. That's true. It's a very ambitious goal for them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it it would require, you know, uh, Miyamoto to have to unplug his ADSL2 connection. You think he's got ADSL2? I think that I think the ADSL2 modem sits under his desk that and and that serves the internet to the rest of the company. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever the internet goes down, you have to call me a moto because it lives in his room because that's the only like ethernet port. Yeah, it turns out he he put his feet up accidentally like hammocked in the in the like phone cable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, the if there was if there was going to be a next system, I th- I can I see it only being one of two things. A Switch Pro where it's basically the same but better. Or it's completely different somehow. Mm. But also backwards right. compatible. It's a it's an additional screen. Oh. And then you get to add the DS library. It's like it's those those LG phones Switch's that were screen. like clamshells. <laughs> Yeah, except it's one that you can attach, like a Circle Pad Pro, where it sits <laughs> around the console and it lifts up. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's the new DS. The Switch DS. No matter what Nintendo announced, I think that we can both agree they need to call it the Super Nintendo Switch. That would be amazing if they did that. That 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 is the that is the only good name. It's the so... Switch Pro is pretty boring. The Switch Next, which I think is what it was rumored to be called, or the yeah, I remember that. what that was called. It was it was a it was not a good name. No, and that that feeds into like the the old NX code name, um, but the Super Ni- the Super Nintendo Switch works so well. That being yeah. said, they've they've moved away from that naming system like so long ago. There were you know the Wii wasn't it didn't become the Super Wii. Maybe that's because they no, realized was, they had a just terrible a red naming Wii. system with the Wii. And then double down yeah. on it and added the U in front of it. Yeah. The Super Nintendo Switch would be outstanding for a name. But at the same yeah. time, maybe it's too too similar. Although they were they were fine with new Nintendo 3DS, so f- what the fuck do I know? You know? What is, oh, that's right, that, that's what it, that's what it was rumored to be called. It was rumored to be called the new Nintendo Switch. Uh, that would have made me like shudder into the into like the past. I would have been like, Ugh. rest in peace, games retail workers. So we, we've sort of danced around this topic. Oh yeah, with the with the Xboxes and the series. Oh, don't remind yeah. me. Um, we, we've danced around this topic, so we'll just touch on this briefly. But is the Switch strong enough without a Pro? 
for the next, let's say, three years. Five years. Well, again, sure. they yep. could come out with something before the end of its life cycle, yep. but that's let's a, say that's two to three point. years. I, I think looking at the lineup of games that they want to release in the next year, I think yes, but it's like it's a just. Yeah. I think it'll be crawling by the end of it and we'll get sort of some PS end of PS3 cycle feelings mm-hmm. where we'll be like, all right, like let's like let's see what's next up for y'all because we've we've sort of been through this. Yeah, um, for sure. It it'll limp over the line, which is a pass. But yeah. like I think it's it's like you know it'll it'll get there. It's gonna be hard for them to innovate. I think you know I I I look at this image and I see Breath of the Wild two here, which is just a it's a it's a screen grab from the trailer with a made up logo because we haven't seen anything official for it in terms of box art design. We've just seen a one and a half minute trailer and then a a, a forty five second teaser trailer. That's it. We we don't know the name of it. No, we don't. It's just the sequel to The Legend yeah. of Zelda The Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Which is wild. Haha. <laughs> uh, but yes. but I look at this image and I and I and I think back to the trailer we saw at last E3 and I think it's going to be hard for them to innovate. We're still going to be coming up with a lot of popping issues with the Switch. Maybe it's going to be better than it is, but like the new things they add, those are going to be pushing up against the system, and it means they're going to have to bring back shadow quality and render distance and draw distance and all of that stuff because the, the original system was already at that limit. When you go back and play the original Breath of the Wild, like, those Bokoblins spawn in really close. <laughs> yeah. Like, the world looks great, but it doesn't feel... It feels sparse because nothing's spawning until you're within 100 meters of it. So... I just can't see Breath of the Wild 2 pushing the boundaries on it because one was already against those boundaries. There's no boundaries to push. There's only boundaries to work within. That same thing with Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. 3. Like, is it really going to look that much different to 2? Is it going to be- perform that much better to 2? They came out five years apart, but they're on the same system. And 2 looks better than Arceus does. And that came out five years ago. Like, it's... Two, two was a Wii U game as well, wasn't it? I don't think so. Or was one a Wii U game? I don't, I, I don't on remember. A, X was a Wii U game. <laughs> one right, was a Wii okay. game. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was not paying attention. To, not paying attention to that franchise when it was coming out. So um, the only yeah. one I want to say that came out on Wii U and Switch that I really remember was Breath of the Wild. Splatoon two came out on Switch. Well, I mean, that and, like, Mario Kart 8, right? And yeah, the, but those, and, like, at the that ones, point, the, the, they were ports because they'd been out for years on the first one. Yes. So, yeah. I, and I, I think s- that might be a reason why they're doing Mario Kart 8 DLC and not Mario Kart 9, because fundamentally it would look and feel the same. And if they do a new entry, they want it to be different. They want to shake it up. Every time there's a new Mario Kart, it's it. Mario Kart, Mario Kart 8, there's something new. <laughs> it was motion controls for Wii. It was Double Dash for GameCube. It was... Um, the Going anti-gravity for Wii the U and the parasol for the D- for Mario Kart 7. Like, there's always something new they want to bring that changes the maps and changes their design philosophy and changes what they could bring. Mm. Yep. These next couple of years are going to be very interesting. We've got this year full of stacked titles, but what comes after that? 
And yeah, and I think maybe my, my final question, which we don't know, is like we're getting the second run through of a lot of these development cycles, right? Like, do we get a third? What happens mm. to the final year of the Switch? Is it really light because they want to focus on the next one? Do they double release like they did for the Switch? Like, what does that look and feel like? Does it feel like then at that point they're going to cut the Switch's life cycle shorter than they expect so that then they can bolster the new console? Mm. Do they... Uh, or do they just sort of like let it limp out and they'll just announce Switch games while also announcing non-Switch games at their directs like they used to for the 3DS? Yeah. It's, it's going to be really, really strange. Could you imagine if they bring out this new console and it performs way better and everyone says, oh, I can't wait to play the new Pokemon Legends Arceus game made for the new system. Maybe they can make a world that actually looks much nicer. And then they announce the new Pokemon Legends game, Pokemon Legends Groudon or whatever, and mm. it's only on the Switch. <laughs> only on the previous one. Only on the current Switch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh gosh everyone would be so imagine angry. if they um, imagine if the next generation is hey guess what we've got the handheld and we've got the console again separately. oh right they so what, what does the switch back. become a flash in the pan <laughs> so what they release two new consoles and the switch just gets left behind and yeah in both of the two new consoles you could put in switch cartridges that would be wild <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a weird time. It's really, it's really strange. And part of that's because Nintendo's been on this off cycle, right? It's been so easy to look yeah. at PlayStation and Xbox and be like, they've been coming out at the same time for a few years, for a few generations now. We're going to see them at the same time. They're going to be directly competing. And Nintendo is like, we're not playing that game. We're going to come out in the middle of everyone. We're going to be, we're not even going to be worrying about specs. It's more about the features we're offering, which worked great for the Switch. You know, yeah. the, this handheld TV console hybrid thing is amazing. Yes. But it means I can't figure out what they're going to do next. And that's how they mm. like it, right? They, that's in that's intentional. Yeah. yeah. But what the fuck are we going to do when... Like, that's the thing. Like, maybe they, 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 they want us to be excited, right? Like, they, they don't give us much, so we get excited when we get anything. News-wise or anything. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Like, we know what they were planning. Yeah. Which was fairly normal. Mm. So, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Not me. But it sure is fun to try nope. and think about what might happen. Mm. Uh, they buy Sega and they release the Genesis 2. <laughs> yeah, they just want it. They, they buy Sega to kill Sega. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they buy it and shudder it. <laughs> oh god! Uh, hey, everybody, that's it. We're done. Get, uh, minimap cast over. We did it. Uh, I hope you enjoy this little hypothetical walk down this walk down hypothetical lane. Um, we've been trying out more sort of topics like this, sort of sort of topics for the show. Um, and I think I think this was good. I think this was better than uh, than our last week. That was bad, but I think mm. we I think we did a good job today. Um, but if you have any feedback for how this system's going, let us know. Uh, whether you know us personally, you can reach out to us. Or if you don't, we're all on Twitter. Um, the Minimap account is there, and you get notified every time there's a new release. That's at Minimap AU. 
Uh, there's also there's always a little snippet of the episode that's a little funny clip out. Um, last week was me like passing out but not realizing it, like blacking out. So <laughs> if you want to go to Twitter, you can listen to that one from last week's episode. Um, uh, we're also there individually. I'm there at KJ Palmer underscore twenty four. Uh, Jeremy uh, at Obi Wan Jazz. Uh, and again, I just I retweeted that that image of all of the Nintendo releases uh, today on the fifteenth of. February, the Tuesday, so scroll back through my Twitter, you can find that image there. Otherwise, it's from at Naveed underscore Mohebi. That's uh, double B and double You can put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, Aside from that, thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can support the show on Patreon monetarily if you choose to do so. That's uh, at Patreon. No, that's www.patreon.com slash minimapau. Um, You can find everything we do on minimap.com.au. And I think that's about it. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with uh, Jeremy's impressions of Horizon Forbidden West once the game comes out later this week. Uh, We'll see you then.